Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 30 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. On this week's episode, we have welcome special guest, Sam Fredrickson. So Sam has channeled his longtime interest in the paranormal into the excellent Not Alone podcast, which he hosts alongside the more skeptical Jason Muitoso. Not Alone began in February this year and has quickly gained a large following, mainly because of its informative and conversational style, with Sam and Jason playing off each other to great results. You can't really help but like the duo, even when you disagree with them, which will be pretty much all the time, you know, pretty much every episode, since they often approach their topics from vastly different sides. Sam is an ideal guest for our podcast, since he is not only a paranormal podcast host, but he also uh, works uh, with everyone's favorite fruit-branded technology on a daily basis. So Sam, welcome. And before I forget, Angelo originally wrote some of this intro, so I feel like when he says everyone's favorite fruit-branded technology, he actually is referring to himself, but didn't want to say it. Ah, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so hello, I suppose. How are you all doing? <laughs> We're doing very well. That Happy was to a- have you on. Thank you. That was a fantastic intro. That was very professional. You should work in radio. Has anyone Thank told you. you that? I have a face for it if you look at my um, <laughs> uh, Skype avatar. I'm the same way. I'm the same <laughs> way. That's why I don't have a Skype avatar. <laughs> I, I feel like you and I have a kinship that Angela will never understand because we're both bearded men. It It is a, a, fa- it's a family thing. You just, from across the room... You you lock eyes with the other bearded individual, and it's it's just that little bit of what's up? How you doing? Exactly. Life good Angela, for you, Angela. I feel like you should hang up right now. All right, bye. <laughs> You'll hear that bubble sound from uh, Skype. I yeah, well, I can't grow a beard, so it's not going to happen. I'd, I'd look like just patches off of my face, so not a good idea. That's all right. Not not everyone's so lucky. Yeah, exactly. I think Sam's right. Not everyone is so lucky to you. Um, look as tough and as menacing uh, as a man with a beard. I, uh, it's funny because I'm a very sensitive soul. I could never, I mean, I, I have never killed anything worth <laughs> note in my life. I will never, uh, you know, even hunting, things like that, which I come from a very, you know, hunting is a good thing in our family. We have a cabin up in the woods and stuff like that. Uh, but I just could not hurt a fly and one time at work, essentially, there was this this gentleman uh, who didn't speak very good English, and it was his his turn to get help. For anyone who doesn't know, I'm just going to say it now. I work at the the Genius Bar. That's what we were alluding to earlier. I work at the Genius Bar uh, in a, at the Apple Store, and uh, he was said, "Okay." The the traffic controller basically pointed at me, said, "Okay." go talk to Sam. He's your, your technician. And this guy just sat there and he just got wide eyed and he just shook his head and he just said, no, no. <laughs> and the, the person running traffic was like, uh, why have you like had a bad interaction with him before? What's going on? And the guy just looks at him. He says, scared, <laughs> scared. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 no. It's going to be fine. And it is, it's something where I have to catch myself because I also have resting, not even, you know, that that typical, I don't know if we're, we're trying not to swear, you know, resting that face. You can say it. Resting face. There we go. I don't necessarily have that. I have like resting rage face where <laughs> when I'm thinking, I just look really mad. And so I have to keep that in mind that with my long hair and my beard, that may not be like the best, you know, welcoming scenario to, to someone from across the room. 
the the thing is is you have such a friendly welcoming voice and that's how initially most people obviously get to to know you because they listen to you on your show and you have such a nice I, i'd almost say npr quality to your voice oh thanks yeah i'd uh, say it's very soothing <laughs> people have told me that yeah and one of them was jason's mom uh when <laughs> she first saw a picture of me she was like no that guy's supposed to be skinny and tall and clean cut. And in reality, I'm like this short, fat dwarf guy. It's, it's great. I love it. Here's a question for you, Sam. How did you and Jason meet? That is a good question. It was, uh, we, we worked together, right? So we work at the Apple store together, um, which this has been something. I don't know why. I've been keeping it a secret forever. I guess I'm not supposed to. I can tell people I work for Apple. But I'm not supposed to use that to gain undue influence or anything like that. So just so everyone knows, I'm not trying to gain any undue influence, whatever that means. But uh, we, uh, Jason and I work at Apple together. He's a technician. Uh, or no, I'm a technician. He, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so nervous to be talking to you. Uh, I'm a technician. He's a product specialist. So he's the the sales and I'm the the repairs. And we basically met because me and my brother Jake, we bought Yu-Gi-Oh decks like, I don't know, wow. a year ago, two years ago. We like saw them in Barnes and Noble and like, oh my goodness, Yu-Gi-Oh, our childhood, it's back. And so we bought Yu-Gi-Oh decks. I was telling everybody at work and just trying to find somebody else with a Yu-Gi-Oh deck to come, <laughs> come duel me. And uh, that was Jason. Jason has Yu-Gi-Oh decks. And then from there it advanced to Magic the Gathering. And uh, and we just started playing Magic probably once or twice a month. And then I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. I don't know why. I don't know how Jason feels about the paranormal at all, but I just feel like it should be with him. And so I asked him. He, I think he didn't really understand or, well, I, I, he didn't really know exactly what we were getting into. Uh, but he said yes, and then the the rest is history, man. Sounds kind of like we're in love. That's fine. I love him in my own way. Well, what's interesting is you guys sound like you've been friends for like decades at this point. So really? I have no idea. It's only been like a year or so that you guys really know each other. I think, yeah, I think he started at Apple two years ago. I started about three, uh, two years ago. And then it was about six months to a year after that, that we started hanging out. And the interesting thing is, and, and I don't want anybody, especially Jason doesn't listen to podcasts, so I don't think he's going to hear this, uh, <laughs> to anybody to take this the wrong way. At first, I didn't like Jason. And I've talked to him about this. <laughs> and we know this. I thought he was, well, I thought he was the same that I think he is now, but it just wasn't as endearing then. You know, the the kind of brash, kind of railroady, that sort of thing. Uh, and it was actually, oh, what? I was going to say, like, the Mothman's an owl, right? Yes, that guy. He's that guy. <laughs> and um, it was even to the point where, oh, I really hope he doesn't listen to this. It's fine. We'll be fine. <laughs> there was even a point when one of my good friends, like, texted me and was like, hey, man, if Jason's going to be over playing Magic, I don't want to come over and play Magic. Oh, and I was like, oh, no. And so from there, I kind of sat him down I'm like, listen, dude, I love you. Just cool it a little bit, and then he cooled it a little bit, and now everybody loves him. He's like, yeah. yeah he's so wonderful on the show. Oh, like dude. He's, he's, it's, it, and that's what Brian was saying, where like, 
whenever you listen to to the Not Alone podcast, you're going to come away disagreeing with one of you guys because you usually both. both have like, yeah, well, yeah, it's possibly both, but at least one of you because you usually have polar opposite ideas. It's also funny because uh, Angelo and I met through where we used to work too. So I, I definitely understand that dynamic. And didn't you like point at me and be like, oh, that's the bearded guy. Like the first time you saw me like on the same floor. Well, so <laughs> the first time I saw Brian is, so I, I'd been working there. I'm like older, right? So I'd been working there for a good eight or nine years. And I see um, the the head of recruitment walk by with this guy and he goes and sits him at my friend's desk who's away on her maternity leave. I'm like, hey, who's this bearded dude stealing like, Tina's desk. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> and 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 then he uh and then like I didn't talk to Brian what for like a year. Yeah, like a year and a half. Two years? Because I at least I kinda like and and he was friends with somebody else and uh and I thought I'm like, oh those two guys, I'm they don't like me. I'm sure they don't like me. And then the first conversation we had was when I ended up getting that job with on your team and thinking that you hated me because I got that job and you didn't. But <laughs> It's it's just, yes, it's a similar origin story, it sounds like. And I think like six months later, we were taking lunch breaks and watching Louis Theroux's Weird Weekends in your office, so... There you go. And then we both discovered that we loved uh, we loved Unsolved Mysteries, so there we go. Yeah? Uh, yeah, there we go. Some friendship building stuff. I, uh, I don't want anyone to come away from this thinking Jason is terrible, or that I think he is. <laughs> he, he's an amazing individual. I, I think the world of him, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's. It's good. <laughs> yes. Very similar. And so how did that end up turning into a podcast? Just you guys, you sat him down and said, look, we're going to have a podcast. Yeah, that's essentially what happened. <laughs> he was over. He was over for magic because the podcast started as a stupid joke is what it was. It was a stupid joke that has taken over my life. And I like basically, um, I don't know if either of you remember being not having a whole lot of money and then getting your tax return. I don't know if that uh, yes. still happens to you to this day. Yes. I don't I don't know yes, either way. Does. But yes. when it when it hits that bank, you <laughs> see this world open before you and you're like I can do anything <laughs> even if it's just like 2000 bucks or even if it's just like 700 bucks. And so that happened to me and my wife. And so we sat and Katie said, Katie's my wife. She said, I'm going to start that blog that I've always talked about starting. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start a podcast. And it was a joke up until I bought the domain name. And then I bought notalonepodcast.com. And I said, okay, so this is, I guess this is happening. And it was, it was like Jason had come over for dinner or for, for magic or for both probably. And I just said, hey man, I'm going to start a podcast. Do you want to, do you want to be a part? First off, do you know what a podcast is? He said, yes. I said, <laughs> do you want to, do you want to be a part of a podcast? And he said, sure. Why not? I'm not really doing anything else. And so he, from there, we just, I mean, that, that week and a half or so after that was crazy. I built the website. We researched, we wrote the script, everything like that. And it's kind of like, literally to this day, I don't remember doing hardly any of it. I just remember the day after and like, and, and posting and saying like, Hey guys, me and a buddy started a podcast because it was just such a weird whirlwind. So the only things I remember from that time is bluehost.com hitting the buy button, looking at Jason from across the table, and then looking at Jason from across the table with a microphone in front of my mouth. Those are the three like snapshots of memory I have of those two weeks. It was very strange. 
it's actually impressive what you've been able to do with all that too. That just starting a podcast on a whim and now um, slowly growing it to what it is now, where it's uh, you got started getting your first sponsor just a few weeks ago, which is really amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it's seriously crazy stuff. I mean, we had kind of joked one way or the other, like, oh yeah, we're gonna have you know sponsors one day, and it's gonna be great, and this and that. It is interesting. We, from the start, you know, we talked about, oh, we're going to get sponsors and we're going to get this and that. And it was definitely like for Jason, he didn't really believe it. I don't think. I think he was just being a good friend and being like, ah, yeah, Sam, you have those dreams. And, uh, and then it was, I think it's been like two months now that we've been sponsored by video blocks for our first run we're doing with them through the end of the year. And then we've got more sponsors lined up in 2018. And it's getting to the point, it's like, wow, this is, like, I'm only 24 years old. I've I've been to college and stopped going to college three times. And, like, maybe I've built something here that I don't feel like is possible for me to do, but I guess I did it. So it's uh, it's been wild, man. It's been crazy. Well, I, I think I find it interesting how I came across your podcast, too, is because Brian and I were starting this, and I was posting in... Uh, on Reddit, and you had answered somebody's question, and I kind of answered you. And then mm-hmm. I looked at your name, which has something to do with Sasquatch, and I'm like, is your podcast about the paranormal? Mm-hmm. And then we started chit-chatting, and I ended up listening to your show, and it's really great. I do remember that as well. Yeah, that was... I used to do so much more promotion than I do now, and that was one of those things where I would go on Twitter, I'd answer questions, uh, paranormal questions, and also just like, hey, anybody know a good podcast? And I do remember getting that. And I I remember getting that. And then I remember you, like, telling me about your stuff. And then I remember, like, I don't even know. It was, like, two or three weeks, I would say, probably, until I actually had time to, like, sit down and listen. And then from there, it's just been like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty regular listener. I will say that there are only six or seven shows that I make a point to listen to within the week that they come out. And it's like last podcast on the left and uh, Astonishing Lessons, Mysterious Universe. And one of them is double density. One of them is like every week I see that drop. And it's like, oh, my goodness. It's, it's so happy. It's a wonderful day. <laughs> well, so it, it was a, it was is, a crazy yeah. way to meet. Well, it's becoming a love fest here, too, because yours, you're not alone quickly shot up to my as soon as it comes out, it gets listened to podcast Aww. as well. So it's kind of pretty funny how that happens. Yeah. And I think <laughs> one of the recent ones, the user submission one with the stories, Angela's like, oh, it's three hours. Like, I'm going to settle in. Oh, gosh. You guys and are heroes. Good. I can't even imagine. It was really good. I don't think I, apart from Dan Carlin, I don't think I've ever listened to a three hour episode for anybody who'd listened. That's not what our normal lengths are, right? Like, normally we're like an hour and a half to two, but I, that episode, there was so much in there that I found myself sitting and like, there was one story that's like 25 minutes long and another one that's like 15 minutes long. And I sat there and I was thinking about just cutting them down to the bare essentials. And I kind of said, you know what? No, I'm leaving this exactly how it is. People wanted to tell these stories. So I'm going to tell them the exact way. I'm going to let them repeat them the exact same way. And some of them have kept me up at night. Like, they are some of the most chilling stuff that I've ever heard. It was a good episode. Yeah, I liked it. Oh, yeah, it was it was really good. And you know what you like a podcast when you quickly bring that uh, speed down and uh, go. 
to the uh you know and you start bringing it uh, down to like one time speed instead of two times speed oh you know, yeah like a yeah. podcast at that point there you so, go <laughs> you guys are you guys have gone down from like when i first started listening to like 2x to like hey these guys are really interesting let's bring it down a notch <laughs> So, well, thank um, you. Thank you, my man. <laughs> I feel like if this is like a weird, uh, like 2017 compliment that wouldn't work, you know, 10 years ago, I don't think. No, it would not. No, you're, yeah. You're, you've, you've got a, a, a one speed voice. I want to listen to <laughs> that. Uh, it hardly works now, but I'll take it. it <laughs> I dig it. Um, so, so sort of say, uh, sticking with the theme of like staying up at night. So here at double density, we have a, like a scale of like ufology from like one to four, mm. right? So one is this supreme skeptic. So someone I'd say like Carl Sagan and then four mm-hmm. being uh, like an experiencer, like a Whitley Strieber or a mm-hmm. Michael Horner or a total believer. Where, where would you say you fall under our patented scale and why? I have been sitting, I read that I I've been thinking about that. Right. And I have to say, I can't be a three and I can't be a four. So I have to be a 3.5. Okay. Um, and the reason is that I, I am starting more and more as I dive more into the, the um, writings of Charles Fort, as I look more at the firsthand accounts and things like that of UFO abductions and, uh, and cryptids and things like that. I find myself thinking of myself more and more, not necessarily as a true believer or, or an advocate for the aliens or a, a shill or anything like that. <laughs> um, although I'm sure I am uh, one way or the other. I find myself thinking more and more of myself as a Fortean, uh, as someone who is looking for explanations to the scientifically unexplained. And just in that own way, I hate to say it, but the same kind of way where you used to have... um Good put common, you know, political common ground, middle ground. And nowadays, everyone seems to be so polarized from one to the other. Not that we're getting into politics at all here. No, 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 no. Yeah, just as <laughs> oh, an example. There's a whole midsection of that. So uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about tonight apart from this. <laughs> just as an example, it's the same sort of thing now with, I feel, skepticism and and believing. So often people say you cannot, you cannot be an amalgamation of both. If you're even going to look at these things, you have to find yourself closer on a two, uh, closer on a two or a three. And so that's where just by default, I have to put myself on that believer side of the skept- uh, of the spectrum because I do believe something is happening. And that's why I'm not putting myself at a four because I don't necessarily believe it is the aliens coming from outer space. I don't think that they, they come from interplanetary places or things like that. But what it is is that I'm simply sitting and saying any time someone reports something extra extraordinary, it is it is our duty to look at it, really look at it and say, what happened here? Are they lying? That happens. Are they hallucinating? That happens. Or is it something more? So that's why I think I'm a 3.5 on that scale, like just a little bit south of Whitley Strieber. I think that's a, that's that's pretty much where I'd put you as well, like a three or a three point five. Nice. I and and I'd I'd uh, say your co-host is in like the one point five to <laughs> he's, two. He's, he's definitely like a one point five. Yeah. yeah he, um... Angela's a one point five. I'm more of like a two or a two and a half. Like I'm more willing to to explore possibilities, whereas Angela shuts it down quite quickly. Well, no, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Relax a bit. There. <laughs> like, I don't shut it down. Like I Are look. You... Hey. I, I'm, I'm like, I've been into this stuff for years and 
I I did become I was I was more of a believer. Let's say I was like more in the three before, mm-hmm. and then I slowly I went down, dropped down all the way to a one. At one point, I was like, ah, everything's bunk, and I've slowly <laughs> gone back up to like a two. I but feel I, like, like if if we were to take our Google Hangout conversations and create like those like word clouds of like frequently used <laughs> word, the word idiot as associated to the paranormal <laughs> would come up the most. That's I mean, that's fair. Mean. <laughs> it's uh. <laughs> I would definitely say say Jason's probably in the ones he's moving up to to the twos, and I it, part of it is I straight up told him one day I was like, "Listen, Jason, I believe that you believe what you're saying, in that you believe that some of these things, not all of them by any means, but some of these things have absolutely no merit." Here's the problem: people aren't turn, tuning in to just hear you say no. Like, I need you to come up with. Say no, by all means, but I need you to come up with a, a valid other explanation. I think Mothman was a great example of that. Yeah. He refused to believe it was something supernatural. So at least he came up with a slightly plausible theory, which is not that plausible at all, in my humble opinion. But whatever, it's not an owl. <laughs> <sighs> so, yeah, that's I'm trying to get him more. And to, to his credit, I, except for the episode we just got done recording i stay away from the people who i know are just straight up bonkers and uh and move you know try to move more middle of the line as much as i can but have you given any thought to to hoaxing him to make him believe more like to crutch his belief system in order to (sighs) veer him a little more towards like a 2.5 or 3 we once had a listener write in and they said jason will not accept the proof of alien life if an alien came in and punched him in the face. And <laughs> that's the problem with that is Jason is open-minded to a degree. He's, he's ready to have a conversation, which is good. A lot of skeptics aren't even ready to have a conversation, but at the end of the day, he, he has his deeply held beliefs just as I have mine. So I think hoaxing him would just be a waste of my time and effort and, and, and sleep. So yeah, I'm not going to do that. No. That would be funny though. I, it would be. What's funny is that I, uh, I, when we talked about the Chicago Mothman, I specifically mentioned there was an owl with I you know. in mind, and I was so happy that you actually tweeted at us because of that. It was wonderful. I was play. I was sitting in my bed playing Super Mario Odyssey, and I was at. I was fighting one of the mini bosses. And you said that, and I literally froze up to the point where this boss wrecked me because I was trembling for a, a brief second with rage. So there's that. You're uh, welcome. I, I rose to the occasion just like you were hoping. But the important thing to note here is that people can disagree and still uh, appreciate each other. And, oh, and that's yeah. what, like, that's, that's something that's fun about talking about the paranormal is that people like us we don't let it degenerate into like hate we end up still having a conversation and that's one of the thing things that if any anybody listening listening to this and has not listened to not alone go listen because you'll you'll actually enjoy the great banter they uh, that sam and jason have because they almost always disagree but they find common ground which is important Right. So, um, like beyond the banter, uh, what is the process between you, Jason, about selecting topics? How do you decide, uh, like when is enough enough in terms of like research on a topic? So a big part of it comes down to time constraints, just to be straight. Like 
We typically record on Tuesdays, between Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, sometime in there. We always release on Thursday, unless there's like an emergency. And so typically, while I usually find myself with a good bedrock, a good framework for a lot of this stuff, the specific details, I cram probably 20 to 25 hours of research. I cram that into about four days, in addition to an actual job and a wife and a dog. And, um, and really we say enough is enough. There have been some beautiful times where I've been able to sit back, look at my notes and say, presto, you know, there, there it is. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm ready for it. Um, but the majority of the time it just gets to be the day before and it's midnight and it's like, well, that's all I can do. And, uh, anything I think of after, so be it, it's gone. I try to start with the more, I try to I try to work from the outside in. So I try to start with the biggest, like most well known parts of it, and then find the more obscure things uh, as we go down. Um, Jason, to his credit, does do research. I don't know how. I don't know how much. I don't know anything <laughs> other than he he shows up and he's ready to talk, and he he has. He prefers, he's more of a visual learner, so he does a lot more of the documentaries and things like that, whereas we, um, I do a lot more of the reading and stuff. But yeah, and then as far as topic selection, it's basically just that, and we're about getting to the end of this after 39 episodes or so, but it's like, I, I just have ones that I know about, right? I've been looking into the paranormal since I was a kid, and so there are just things that I've I've always wanted to address, things I've always wanted to talk about and, and learn about and things like that. From there, once we've run out of that, that's where you look more at your your trusted sources. So, you know, some of them are just great compendiums. You have things like one book that I've found myself going back to again and again. We've only done, I think, two topics from it, but I've probably thumbed through it I mean, it's a digital copy, but digitally thumbed through it 50 <laughs> times is uh, like Lauren Coleman's Mysterious America, uh, uh, just a compendium of stories, things like that. Great little two or three page summaries that you can then go forward and do that more research. Uh, who else? Linda, Linda S. Godfrey. She has a, a good, a great book called American Monsters that does the exact same thing. It's just a cryptozoologicon for uh north america and you can just open that and some of them of course are just kind of spurious and kind of bunk but uh the majority of them have at least multiple witnesses and uh and and a good amount of folklore and so it's about knowing where your sources are or at least that's how it is for us knowing who to trust um and and who's a reputable researcher and just saying, you know what, if it's good enough for John Keel, it's good enough for me, that sort of a thing. And so once all that research is done, what's your setup like to sit down with Jason and talk about this? Because it's nice, you're, you're lucky, you guys get to see each other when you talk. Like Brian yeah. and I have only had one live episode, which was a lot of fun. It was in my backyard. Yeah, that was like the and backyard cookout, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty yeah. much. We, we were looking, because as I've mentioned previously, I live in a UFO hotspot apparently, which I've lived here for almost 10 years. I have not seen a UFO yet or anything that I would think would be a UFO, but I always look up. Well, apparently your child may have. Yeah, it pops out from behind yeah, the moon. Seriously. Uh, uh, yeah, we, we, we talked about that before we started recording, but um, 
if you're listening to this and you didn't listen to last week's episode, I mentioned it in last week's episode. So uh, go have a listen to that. My son apparently sees something popping out from behind the moon from time to time, which is pretty chilling. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. So you guys get to talk in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your setup like? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a blessing, man. I've like I've done so many, not so many. I've done enough uh, over Skype and over this and that that it's like it's fun doing it this way. I have no problem doing like an interview this way. But if I ever like moved away or Jason moved away, we had to do it through Skype. I don't know how much I could do of it. It just stresses me out. But in person, what we have is we have an iPad Pro. And that's the the main hub. Now, you definitely have, like, your pros and cons with it. But at the end of the day, I'm recording two streams of audio. I'm not doing sound effects. I mean, other than the theme song, we don't do any sound effects and uh, or any atmospheric stuff. Sometimes we do, but usually every time we do, it's like I stay up late. I make it on GarageBand. I think, oh, this sounds so cool. This is going to be so great. And then we insert it in, and then the next day after the episode's released, everyone's like, wow, that sucked. Turn off that music. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, no. The, uh, See, are you... I, I liked it. The, the time you did it, and then I remember the week after you had a, you mentioned somebody complained about it. I was like, no, why? It was yeah. kind of clever. We had so many complaints, and that's fine. I'm okay with that. Now, so we have the iPad Pro, right, which we then run. I have a Steinberg UR22 Mark II which is a two-in, two-out uh, interface, two XLR in, two MIDI outs, and essentially using that interface, and then you take a USB to lightning adapter, I'm just able to plug that into the back of the, or into the charging port of the iPad Pro. And then from there, you're able to use it just like a, a real rig, a real setup. And so from there, we have two Shure SM7Bs uh, that nice. we run through a, a, CL, a Cloudlifter CL2 for some added gain. And uh, we just we just bust it out right on my kitchen table. No soundproofing, no, no nothing. It's, uh, it's very amateur, but it, it works for us. Well, you say it's amateur, but it sounds great. And that's the thing, too. I mean, Brian and I don't exactly have, like, an incredible setup. You're, you're going to hear cats meowing from time to time. Um, but we have, uh, we have decent microphones and that's pretty much all you need. Brian does a lot of, well, he does all the editing. Let's, let's be real here. <laughs> and, uh, he takes care of that, but yeah, no, it's, it sounds great. And, uh, having you guys having changed the microphones, you sounded great before, but I was able to tell the difference last week and it was really impressive. I, I super love these microphones. My, my brother, uh, is a, a lead. He's almost a manager at our local guitar center. And he said, like, this is it. This is the one where we get the radio people in. We get the the actual podcasters in. And and he said, and I agree with him, that the biggest thing about having a, a successful show, most or, more so than anything else, is sounding legit from the start. Like, not to cast aspersions on anybody, especially no one here. I mean, I think your guys' sound is, is beautiful. But I... If you're starting your show by just putting your iPhone on the center of the table, well, mm. you know, a lot of, you know, some people will will get through the audio quality for the content. That's great. Just as a statement of fact, a lot of people are going to turn it off. And so that was something that we decided from the start is, you know, before this, we had two MXL 990s 
They're great little condenser mics. They're beautiful little little pieces of tech. And we just got those. It was the most we could afford without breaking the bank. And really that that sound quality is something that I think has has led to us being more readily accepted. Um, it's Absolutely. it's important stuff. Yeah, I think that was our goal going in as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, prior to this, had you had any experience um, producing any sort of audio, or was this like this is your first time at bat? No, I I was always fascinated as a kid. We had this this USB microphone that we would plug into the computer, and as a kid, I mean, like as a kid, like ten or twelve, and me and my brother, we'd plug it in the computer and we'd sing funny songs and we'd speed it up and make ourselves sound like little chipmunks. And then my dad had this old handheld tape recorder, you know, exactly. You you put a little micro tape in there, you hit record, you talk into it about, you know, you're a doctor, you're talking to it about your patient, (laughs) this, this and that. And looking back now, it makes a lot of sense to me that this is where I've ended up because I've always loved to record myself and my friends talking and doing stuff, but none of it has ever seen the light of day and none of it ever will before this. The only thing that's close to it, and I'm going to give no hints, I don't even know if it's up there still. In high school, I was part of an extremely disastrous uh, uh, Slenderman YouTube series. And... <laughs> Yeah, man, that was our jam. And uh, we we made this whole plot line and stuff like this. And there were videos up online. I don't know if they're still there, but but that is the only other experience I've had. And then, yeah, before all of this. Well, that is right now, if you hear that, that's the sound of all your listeners tuning into this episode of Double Density, <laughs> typing away feverishly. Searching for uh, Sam Fredrickson, Slenderman, YouTube video. It is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. It is <laughs> awful. And that's why we as a group dis- decided to destroy it. So, Oh, too bad. I, I understand totally where you come from. When I was a kid, um, a friend and I used to record to uh, an audio cassette. Like We had a boom box with one like, mm. mic hole. And we used to spend a lot of time just yelling into it. And then... There's probably, I'd say probably 15 or 20 hours worth of tapes like buried somewhere in my parents' place of us at like 10 or 11 just goofing around and like making fake radio shows. It's it's a beautiful thing for kids, man. It's like something that I look forward to as I as I get older, like having kids, I'm going to have this podcasting stuff, this equipment, no matter what, probably. And just thinking about like having my kids sit there and, and do that fun stuff. And especially if you do unearth it, you do find it. I actually found one of those little micro tapes just a month or two ago from uh, me and my buddy, and we were giving like a news report. And it was, yeah, it was like, we, you know, the America, United States has invaded Iraq today and we won. (laughs) And it was like, what the crap? (laughs) This is the worst news reporting I've ever heard. But it is, it's just a great way of like letting kids dream and letting kids just have fun. I really think that's important now. Like you're, you're, you are making me feel old when you said uh, when you were a kid, you had USB microphones because it wasn't invented yet when I was a kid. But <laughs> that's true. Uh, <laughs> but we had, um, I've, I've had a, a Mac with GarageBand since about 2003, and I recorded a full like album of music just myself with uh, bass, guitar, singing, piano, drums, all that. I did it all on my own, Dang. recorded, and it's, I still have it, and it's really kind of 
fun to have my kids listening to it. We played it in the car once. My wife put it on the radio, <laughs> and and my my wife's like, you know, this is Daddy singing. And it's like my kids like, no, it's not, because it really doesn't sound like me. But uh, yeah, we we thought it was kind of fun. So like, even look, that was like what. Um, 14 years ago at this point and mm-hmm. um, it's still around and my, my kid got to listen to it and uh, I've now been reduced to uh, recreating Taylor Swift songs on GarageBand without the singing so my daughter can sing over them but it's still a lot of fun that keeps so, me uh, in practice that's so beautiful and I hate Taylor Swift that's still so beautiful that you do that man that's awesome <laughs> that's, it's, it's fatherhood fun. in a nutshell really <laughs> dad stuff this has been dad corner on Double Density <laughs> Last week we had cat corner. This week it's dad corner. Um, very quickly, Sam, going back to when you were a kid, what came? What were you first interested in? Was it was it technology or the paranormal that came first for you? Do you think it's oh, it dude, it's so hard to tell because I have always been a kid. Like as a kid, I would like just Google. I just sit at Google and I would Google the word gadgets, and I would just look to see like all the cool different kinds of gadgets there were in the world different kinds of cameras, different kinds of, of recording stuff, different this and dif- different that. I've always had this deep abiding love of technology. And as far back as I can remember, at least since I was six years old, I have always been interested in the paranormal because that was when I had like, I was like six or seven and I saw this, this thing that I believe was a UFO. And it it is, it has grown up with me on both of these things. Um, and it's like, I am your model listener. Like I am yes. your demographic. And it's because that the, the technology by itself, but also especially more of the futurology stuff um, and the paranormal are really the two defining like loves and interests of my life. And I can't say which came first. Chicken and egg. Yep. Um, sort of related, we got a question off of Twitter from TJ from Pints and Puzzles, and he was uh, yes. he wanted us to ask, uh, what is Sam's, what is your UFO Genesis story that's that's been attached to you for years? Like, what is like the first um, story that has like really marked you? Do you think that is also a very hard question? Because um, I know TJ's, I TJ and I are good friends. His is Travis Walton, hundred um, percent, and I can say that with what he's talking about. I wouldn't say that I have any one like UFO experience, especially, but um, it was more of like just the the urban legends growing up. Both the the campfire stories of like scary stories you tell in the dark about the the man with a hook for a hand who escaped from the mental institution, to to the the ghost stories. Um, it's those sorts of urban legends as a kid. I don't have that UFO Genesis story, unfortunately. I would say that in the modern age, modern age, now that I'm older is what I meant to say. <laughs> um, now that I'm older and now that I've looked at this more, I would say that Whitley Strieber's communion, uh, that that account is my the bedrock of my belief and the bedrock of my foundation in that area. Uh, but unfortunately, that's... Even that only came about a, a year or two ago. Uh, before that, it was always just looking at the stories, and I would look at them at the surface level. You know, I never got extremely in-depth with things before the podcast. It was almost like I was just collecting things and just coming up with all these these little things. I could tell you one or two 
you know, one or two things about Bigfoot, one or two things about this ghost or, or that ghost or whatever, this witch, uh, and, and that, but I've never gotten as deep into something I think as I got into Whitley Strieber's communion. Well, it's it's funny you say that you, it's just recent you get into all this stuff because you sound so knowledgeable on your show that as if you've been researching this for years. And I'll be really honest with you. When I first heard your show, I thought you were in your 40s. Because <laughs> you, you, you came about and spoke. And I'm like, what? This is like a 22-year-old kid? Yep. It was, uh, anyway, I, 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 keep, I keep being impressed with the way you, you speak on your show and... Uh, and that, and it's interesting you mentioned Whitley Strieber as being your UFO Genesis kind of story in the more modern times, as you said. Um, <laughs> when I was a kid, there was an um, uh, Unsolved Mysteries episode, and Brian and I have talked about it, was like a missing time episode where somebody had seen the cover of Communion and said, oh, that's what I saw. Yep. And uh, I've mentioned it before, but that episode and that image on the cover of Communion uh, made me lose a lot of sleep when I was a kid, so oh, much yeah, so man. that I had to put my bed up against the wall because I remember in that episode he said he looked to the right of his bed and there was this figure standing there, and I from that point on I could not sleep mm-hmm. with my face facing right. Now Wait. I can because it's I'm older and, and wiser I guess, but as a kid <laughs> could not look to the right on my bed. Have you only recently been able to sleep on that side though? Uh, since uh, as funny as it sounds, I guess since I've been married. Oh, there you go. Now that there's somebody protecting me in my bed. <laughs> yeah, is your wife the, she's the alien chaser? Yeah, she protects me. Well, whenever I have a night terror, she's, she's there to, to save me. Because I, I, I don't get them as often anymore, but I do have sleep paralysis from time to time. And she's there sort of snap me out of it. Oh, that's hardcore. Do you feel like the, uh, the podcast is like a good conduit for you to get rid of a lot of that that is in with you? So maybe that's why you haven't had as many? Um, it's, you know what, I'll be honest. I think it's more because I started exercising a lot more regularly about four or five years ago. And apparently exercise does help with sleep paralysis. Okay. So the gains helped you out. Yeah. Them (laughs) gains. I think on my end for me, and it's really weird is, um, the Betty and Barney Hill story for me was my UFO Genesis story. So it's always, uh, stuck with me both because it's not that far away. It's about two hours away. And also, um, just by chance, I picked up a book at the library when I was a kid and I started reading and it just, it sucked me in. And, you know, it kind of is the sort of the first, um, comprehensive story of abduction in the modern UFO era. And for some reason, it's just always marked me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, that that's definitely one of those more interesting, more complete ones as well. Now that I'm thinking about it, the, the original, not again, not UFO, but the original thing for me was the, the Bermuda triangle, the Bermuda triangle growing up as a kid, I probably read three or four different books on it. And nowadays I don't think that the Bermuda triangle is that interesting at all, actually, but it was the, the very first thing as a kid, uh, beyond like my own little weird experiences that that made me think like okay what is out there what is going on out here uh that sort of thing you know now that you've brought that up it's true that like the bermuda triangle isn't something that's in our popular conscience anymore like when i was younger and when angela was younger i think i can speak for both of us in this case it was it was sort of a thing that existed that was big right like if you mm-hmm. talked about paranormal topics whereas this has kind of taken a backseat over the last um 10 to 15 years i think at the very least if not longer yeah, it really has taken a backseat completely, whereas uh, it's it's just even like a small little blip on our to-do ideas in our uh, in our uh, double-density uh, list of ideas. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's something that when I was a kid, it was part of the, the lexicon of 
a paranormal activity if you uh, if you look at it that way and um something else when i was a kid i don't know if you ever came across these sam or or brian i'm sure brian did but uh, there was like a whole time life series of books about the paranormal and when i was a kid watching gi joe on uh, on after school tv those commercials would come up for those books and i've always been looking uh, in the periphery to kind of see if there's a set of those books available but i've never come across them and i kind of worry that they'd be haunted anyway yeah probably no i uh i don't remember that at all that sounds fascinating yeah. it was way before your time i think i'm gonna see if i can find a uh youtube clip of the commercial and add that to the show notes nice great um but speaking of the Bermuda triangle um Sam, given what you know about the world at large and its, you know, quirks and strange areas, what would you say would be the best place for someone like you who uh, tends to err on the side of belief? Uh, and I'm using the term sort of uh, believes kind of vaguely. Like, where would you want to take a vacation knowing what you know? Yeah, good question. So there's so what we're looking at, right? What we're asking is, where are the hot spots? Um, and they are all over the place. And. You know, some people are going to tell you, oh, it's because of ley lines. Oh, it's because of the Earth's magnetic grid and this and that. And who knows why it happens. I don't know if I believe in ley lines, I guess. Uh, but basically, there are definitely these places where things are just spookier. And one of the big ones is the Yuntah Basin, which, guess what? I just said it wrong again, I'm sure. Every time I say it, I get a piece of of, of, fan, uh, of listener mail telling me I said it wrong, no matter how I said it. So I'm just going to say it, the Utah Basin uh, in Utah, which is also home to the number one spooktacular place in the world, Skinwalker Ranch. And it has been estimated by individuals who have done detailed studies, especially one gentleman named Junior Hicks, uh, that up to 10% of the inhabitants of the Utah Basin have had an actual, like, close encounter. Not necessarily a close encounter of the third kind, but seeing an actual craft beyond just the lights in the sky. And so, and then beyond that, with lights in the sky, it's it's so many more. So it's like, if you just straight up wanted to find something, that would be a good area. Not to mention trying to, to break onto Bigelow's Ranch. Uh, but also... You have places like Dolce, New Mexico, where you have um, a large population of First Nations people living there who will tell you that they have seen craft. It sounds crazy, but they have seen craft the size of football fields. They have seen craft. Jeez. They have reported crafts. They didn't even say it this way, but they essentially have said to researchers, "The well, the craft went... It's it's one side was over there to the left. It's other side was there to the right to the point where it was almost taking up this entire like sub little valley floor, which would make it approximately a mile across. Like these things are huge. They're ridiculously large. So that would be another place. Um, apparently, according to I have an uncle who who or an uncle in law who teaches at the University of St. Andrews, apparently the UK in general, but especially Scotland, is a great place to go for ghosts. Um, you know, and, and the ghosts are very much alive there. He doesn't believe in ghosts, but he thinks that people there, they're believing it and, and gives it credence. 
Um, and then you also have like the Hudson River Valley. You have the Ohio River Valley. So really what you're looking at is you're going to want someplace that has remote areas still, right? Places where it's not all built up forever, but also places that have moving water. And uh, and if you get those two things, who knows? You might see something. But Sort of sounds like where I live, actually. There um, you go. And- see? <laughs> Yeah, and and you mentioned Skinwalker Ranch, and you have said in the past that you'd want to be buried at Skinwalker Ranch. So let's say, like, Robert Bigelow's like, my horde of strange creatures needs nutrients, so sure, (laughs) we'll bury you there. What does your tombstone read? So I I have an actual... Epitaph is that that's the word, right? Epitaph. That's the word. Yeah. Wonderful. I have an actual epitaph that I that I want. And when I think about, you know, I don't know if you've ever had to do this. My eighth grade English teacher was very strange and he had us write our own obituaries um, to the point that's where hard. it is very strange. But basically it, it, it makes you sit even as a as an eighth grader and say, what how do I want to be remembered? And that has changed a lot over the years but as i sit now i think that really my realistic tombstone would say you know sam frederickson born september 22nd 1993 died september 29th 2935000 because <laughs> i'm going to live forever right but if i don't whenever i die um and i all i want it to say is husband father storyteller that's all I want Ooh. from it. Ooh, I yeah. like that. I like that Succinct. a lot. That's, that is my three goals. I've hit husband. I, my wife says I'm good at it. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, father, you know, hopefully one day soon. And then storyteller, we're getting there, you know, one day at a time. And then I guess on the other side of it, it's, it's something like, I don't know, something funny. I'm not a funny person, so I can't come up with anything. Maybe that, well, you know, my storyteller fo- part. Uh, sorry, I was going to, like, the storyteller part, you kind of have it because you had a really good story on that Monsters Among Us podcast uh, that he did with the, the, the listener-submitted stories. It was really good. Thank you. That was a, I'll, t- I'll talk, t- I'll tell you more about that after we, we get done recording. But it was a, it was a good time, that's for sure. Um, then my father-in-law, we've decided, and I wouldn't mind this, his is going to say, Tom Harrison, he meant well. And uh, I think <laughs> I think I would also fall under that category as well. well. Angela, have you given any thought to yours? Not at all. I no. do not want to think about death right now. <laughs> I I don't know what it would say. I I really. If I, I went funny, I think mine would just say like "whoops." <laughs> just Brian Hasty, whoops. You know, just slide that out there and just let people infer what they need to infer, right? You know, if you'd want me to maintain my reputation, mine would just have like an Apple logo on it, I guess. Yeah, there that you lights go. up every there night. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but bringing it back to the question we were asking before about vacations, um, where is like a bad place to go on vacation and where would you send your co-host on vacation? Oh, interesting. Okay. So, and this, you know, it's all relative, right? It's all subjective. Because to me, I hate the heat. I hate hot. And so for me... I really hate the islands of Hawaii. I despise them, which is sad to say. I'm not, you know, the culture, beautiful. The people, lovely. The the scenery, great. But the muggy heat is just too much for me. And so if somebody gave me a ticket to Hawaii, I'd, I'd probably give it to Jason. I think that the <laughs> absolute worst place that you could go, though, and this is a throwback to, like, 
uh, uh, quite a few episodes ago, I actually had there's this this little dude we call him E Man. He's like nine, and he is he goes to my church, and and I'm good friends with his mom. Me and Katie teach like the teens and stuff like that, and so she helps with that. And E Man, he loves the podcast, and so he told me that he thinks that me and him should go up and take a vacation by Anjakuni Lake. And uh, and that should be where we go, which, of course, is where supposedly the entire village disappeared, either abducted or when to go out or or whatever. I think that might be the worst idea for a vacation I've ever heard. Yeah. And that's what I told him. And uh, he took it. He took it pretty well. He took it pretty well. That's where I would Kids. send Jason if I was mad at him. <laughs> Do you feel like maybe he was like trying to like uh, passive aggressively threaten you? Like, Whoa. listen. <laughs> Like you've done something wrong. We're going here. Deal I mean, with it. I mean, he's nine years old. I should hope not. I want, I want to believe that he he's more innocent than that. But it's possible, I guess. Are there any topics that y- you don't or won't touch on the podcast? Do you think? Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, so we just like literally thirty minutes before I sat down to speak with you guys, Jason and I finished our our most recent episode which by the time this one comes out will be last week's episode i want to say it's it's jason special number four and we're talking about dragons and yeah dude i I love dragons we both love dragons so much and it's a you know a jason special is a special thing it's something where we look at something that we normally wouldn't really cover um because there's not a whole lot of evidence or because jason just wants to destroy it wants to hold it back and then destroy it itself like our sea monsters episode um and so during the course of the jason special wherein we we flip the script right he does the leading he does the majority of research and i just chime in from time to time during that um essentially i had to think of something to say about dragons and i wanted to think of something to say that just took it to that crazy level. So I brought up uh, an individual named David Ike. Do both? Do either? Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. We, so you know, I we own know him well. The Children of the Matrix. Yes. I own oh, four or five of his books. So yes, yes. And, so well, just to say, one of my friends who listens to this show uh, suggested we ask David Ike to be a guest on the show. So that would be it. interesting. It would be the world's be first twelve-hour podcast, one way. That would be interesting. David Icke is a great example of someone who I don't really want to cover. I don't really want to touch it. Um, Wait, Sam, are you telling me that you don't believe that the royal family in the UK are reptilians and sucking blood out of newborn babies? Is this what you're saying? I believe a lot of things. I believe a lot of things about monarchy. uh, And and in very American ways, I have my opinions. But my opinions are not that. No, (laughs) not not at all, actually. Um, yeah, he's interesting, and that's a prime thing, right? David Icke has nothing but conjecture, right? He has nothing but but great stories. We ha- we do not have any proof, any evidence whatsoever, and we never will. And unfortunately, fellas like David Icke can use that as a proof in and of itself, right? We can't find anything because they're in control and they have everything. And that's the sort of stuff I just don't want to get into. Anything that there's not a, a scrap of evidence for, 
in my humblest of opinions, I don't want to get into. Unfortunately, I hate to say it because I really love the concept, but people like Graham Hancock as well, right? This idea of the, mm-hmm. the pre-Diluvian society, the, the ancient right. super races of the earth. You know, it's stuff that I personally think is fun to think about, fun to think, you know, read about and all that. But at the same time, every, almost every single thing that, that Graham Hancock has to say, God, I hope he never hears this, is, is based on misinterpretations. And so that's my biggest thing is I want it to be something the kind of general rule is I need to be able to Google it and spend more than three minutes looking at at a way to disprove it. Right. It needs to have at least a, a shred of plausible believability. But kind of like in the same vein, a lot of the John Hogue Nostradamus stuff, like he was huge in the 90s and he put out a series of books and mm-hmm. all of his interpretations like missed the mark by very large margins. So yeah. I, I, I definitely understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. Eschatology, end times, that sort of stuff. We'll poke fun at it. We'll we'll talk about it offhanded. But um, now that's not to say that I don't want to do more conspiracy stuff. And, you know, I don't know. Do either one of you listen to... Last podcast on the left. No, I've never listened to it. I'll I'll sometimes check it out depending, but yeah. They are excellent. They're, of course, very crude. That's one of the things that people know them for. Very crude, very rude, very socially unacceptable. But their research is top-notch. They're all entertaining to listen to. They just finished up a series on a gentleman named Bill Cooper, who is, you know, one of the fathers of the modern conspiracy thought. Kind of a David, a a better David Icke, I would say. Um (laughs) Who, Isn't he the guy who wrote Behead, uh, Behold, Behold a Pale a Horse? Behold a Pale Horse, yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so one thing that we are looking at trying to do is transition into more of more people focus. Not all the time. Definitely still have our cryptids, our UFOs, our events, but also bring in some biographical stuff. So, like, we wouldn't do it on David Icke because I don't feel like David Icke has anything to offer but we are looking at at things like Edgar Casey, Alistair Crowley, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff, where it's just fascinating stories, and that's where Jason and I will have to like stop fighting and just talk about things instead. So, <laughs> do you feel like that might change the tone? Um it it'll change it'll change the tone for those episodes, right? That's definitely okay. not what it's going to be forever. But I I envision it. We have right now. Let me think. We have three different kinds of episodes. We have a standard episode where I do the re- – not I do all the research. I I direct the show. I tell the story. Jason responds. Then we have a Jason special, which is Jason directs the show. He tells the science, and I respond. And then we have our tales of, wherein we don't necessarily – those are more of the like, oh, well, we don't need a huge scientific basis – but things like tales of time slip, tales of reincarnation, where we just look for little anomalous events and we group them all together. So it would essentially be another another show category like that. We would have our fourth category, our biographical uh, episode. So it's definitely not like the, the way the podcast is going to change overall. It's just something else we want to incorporate. I want to throw out a free idea to you right now. Okay? I, love I just I want you to think about this. Okay. Um, so uh, William Cooper's dead, right? So maybe mm-hmm. to build a show on him, you and Jason embark on a seance. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> There's another one. Glad you brought it up. <laughs> Boards. I'm not even going to say the word. I already did. <laughs> Boards. Yeah, we'll bleep it out. Thank you. 
yeah, do that. That would be that'd make this really funny. Um, I am <laughs> not going to do that because unlike David Icke, who I don't believe in at all, boards I believe in too much. And I am too afraid of them. Even the demonic possession. We did one episode, uh, Anna Eklund, the, the possession of Anna Eklund, and that messed me up not only just because of the demonic stuff but then you get also into like well how much of this is demonic how much is mental illness you know how much are people being being hurt for just having you know miss you know issues with with the mind um anything demonic i'm not a huge fan of we'll do ghosts we'll do a little bit of possessions but ouija boards in general i just think there's stuff you just don't talk about and that's one of it for sure and seances. That's a really good answer. I'll talk about seances. We're going to do like the Fox sisters and stuff like that, but I am not going to hold a seance because I like this house. I don't want to have to burn it down. Well, that really brought out some emotion in you too. It that, did. The whole thought of the, the Ouija board is, oh, sorry, I said it, but. Yeah, uh, thanks. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's scary. <laughs> I'm scared, man. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> I have, I have an interesting story about that actually, is that uh, I used to work at a movie theater. Mm-hmm. So this is in the late nineties. Uh, and um, there were rumors that somebody had died in the basement. And whenever we'd have to go change the soda things in the basement, mm-hmm. it was really creepy down there. And I can't remember if they actually ended up doing it, but there was a, an idea of actually going into the basement past midnight and uh, going down with a Ouija board and trying to to, to see if the place was actually haunted. And um, I did not want to be part of that. Because back then I kind of like really was into this and didn't I thought it would be a very bad idea mm-hmm. and uh yeah that that whole place the storage room was creepy the basement was creepy uh people had there were rumors about like you'd get like a tap on your shoulder mm-hmm. um my friend who I previously mentioned about the David Ike thing he he listens to this he used to work there with me um I'm sure he can uh, email me with some other stories cuz I think he had a whole bunch of stories from that place you also and, have uh, a, a work related one me yeah, I can get <laughs> uh, um, the the dead body in the elevator. Oh, in the hall building. Yeah. So yeah, so we were well, Brian. Brian doesn't work there anymore, but I worked. Uh, I work at a university, and apparently there was a uh, a dead body. Was it in the in the um? It was in on the top. air shaft. Yeah, it was on top. Yeah. So somebody oh my literally goodness. died in one of the shafts, and uh, and <sighs> I th- people thought it was an urban legend, but it's actually true. Oh man! It was uh, when I used to do recruitment tours. That was like the number one thing I'd always mention is like, listen, you might see some weird stuff. And also, one of the residences at the Concordia is over hundred years old, and it's a nunnery or former nunnery, I should say. And there's a lot of stories about uh, there was like a, a giant fire where like a lot of people perished. All right, yeah, we'd have to look into that actually. If there's any stories, uh, I haven't seen anything on the the, the spotted uh, Facebook group about it, but uh, it'd be interesting. The only thing they seem to spot at. Uh, in the library are bed bugs, which is always, which is scary in its own way. <laughs> but that's more of like a work related issue. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and Sam, I remember you mentioning that, uh, shadow people's kind of freak yes. you out as well, right? Yeah. The yeah, shadow people thing. and, and the shadow people are again, weird. Like I don't have, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't have a type, you know, I'm not, I, I don't have like <laughs> this guaranteed spooky stuff. Some stuff, just hits me and it if you actually do listen to that the listener stories episode there was one point when jason and i were discussing a a shadow person encounter that one of our listeners had 
when Jason makes like an offhanded comment of like shadow people in the corner of the room, like right now. And I physically, my body reacted by just turning. I didn't think I didn't, didn't tell it to do that. I just turned and stared just to make sure nothing was there. And the shadow people are, it's the sort of thing where you have a mixture, right? You have sleep paralysis, the number one cause of people seeing stuff like that. A hundred percent. You know, Jason had sleep paralysis. I've had semi-sleep paralysis. Uh, Chris Cogswell has had sleep paralysis of the Mad Scientist podcast. Angelo, you've had it. Like, it's yep. it's something that happens. Now, a lot of people will say, yeah, sure, it's something that happens. But when it's happening, you don't sit there and say, oh, rationally, I know what's happening. <laughs> you know, you just get freaked. Um and for me, the shadow people kind of bring in this this element that also ties back to Whitley Strieber's communion of being helpless in bed and yeah. and laying there and looking. And I just have God cursed me with an overactive imagination. Uh, and I've had it ever since I was a kid um, to the point where there have been times like thankfully it hasn't happened in a while. There have been times I've been laying in bed and I have psyched myself out so terribly that I cannot open my eyes. Like, I can't sleep because I'm too scared, but I can't open my eyes because, who knows, maybe I'll see a shadow person or I'll, I'll see other scary things. Um, and it's just, it's one of those things that in the surface, the shadow people don't sound that scary. They don't sound like they should be terrifying or anything like that. but it just evokes an a visceral reaction. Now that's something that we probably will cover at a certain point, uh, but it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Well, I've been there before, if, even just recently, where I'm, uh, I've woken up uh, in the middle of the night and I don't want to get out of bed to to use the washroom or go get a drink of water because I, I, my irrational mind takes over mm-hmm. and I'm freaking out about what I'll see if I get out of bed, even though. Um, during the day in my waking hours, I'm an extraordinarily rational person. So mm-hmm. I don't understand what happens with the mind at that point. And it, it, I'll, I'll wake up from a weird dream or whatever, and it'll still be affecting me. And, uh, shadow people was one of the earlier, th- earlier things I've heard on, on a radio show that like, it was the first time I was exposed to like somebody talking on the radio about the paranormal. I was like, Ooh, this is really cool. It was a Montreal based show actually called, uh, Brian actually found the title for me cause I could not find it for years. And he looked it up. It was called strange days indeed. Right, Brian. Mm. Yeah. And, um, later it was replaced by, uh, just, uh, coast to coast AM. But, um, I remember them talking about shadow people and saying, what the hell are these shadow people? Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating to me uh, that people were seeing these things. The thing is, it's like, if you want to kind of explain it away and not want to worry about them as you kind of can, because it's your peripheral vision that mm-hmm. may cause it. But there's too many scary stories out there of people seeing these things, but who knows what it is? Is it internal? Is it an external environmental thing? Who knows all we do know, very creepy. Very scary. Yeah, it's um, it's something where there's just so many people seeing the same stuff, reporting it the same way. And, of course, you have the idea of, well, they're reporting it the same way because they've been subconsciously influenced and, and all of that. Um, But you have, like, 
even the thing about like the hat man, right? One of the, the most prominent entities, shall we say, that some that, that people see is a man wearing like a wide brimmed hat. And it's like, why, mm-hmm. if you're going to see a vague, shapeless form, you know, approximately the side of, size of a man, why would your subconscious put a hat on it? You know, it's, uh, it's weird, to say the very least, is it's weird. Yeah, and all I know is now that we're talking about this, I'm like darting my head back and forth, yep. just looking around to see what's behind me. Uh, and, and I have a, a very open home. It's like right now, though, whenever I record the podcast, I have one light on and it's like, uh, Brian, uh, called it like podcasting mood lighting where it's like, you know, <laughs> just kind of dark. The, I have a giant computer screen in front of me, illuminating everything's modern in my home. I have no weird rickety things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's still, I look around and see what's up. Um, but I do comfort myself and not worrying about any sort of entities in my home when my cat is calmly just sitting down and not worrying about anything. But if my cat starts freaking out, huh, maybe I'll want to look into it a little more. Yeah, yeah that's... strangely enough, I think felines are, are definitely like a really good indicator of something in the home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's how Baron, my little miniature dog, and that's what he does for me. And thankfully, he sleeps so dang much, he doesn't do anything at all. So it's fine. Yeah, it's all good. You, we, we find comfort in the comfort of our, our pets. Exactly. <laughs> Very succinct of you, Angelo. Are you uh, thinking about maybe writing a little book there? Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cat talk with Angelo. Oh, man. Um, I'd buy that. Thank you. I would, I would ask for it signed, I think, yeah. <laughs> with, with a cat, uh, cat smiley face. <laughs> um, Sam, what's been the most surprising topic to cover in terms of like when you... Uh, before you started research and then sort of like uh, at the end of your journey, like uh, there's like a transformation. Is there like any topic or person or scenario that you had like any sort of like preconceived notions about that t- turned out to be wrong or like absolutely right? hundred percent. And that is, uh, I would say so far to date, uh, and Jakuni Lake. Um, and the reason is I went into it, right? So I, I read about it and as I was reading it, it was like, this is too good to be true. This can't be, this, it encompasses, you have alien abduction, you have, potentially, you have disappearing villages, you have, um, uh, the original story is that a guy goes in, uh, to this village and, and there's still fires lit and there's food cooking, but there's no one around and, and it's on an open plane. And by the end of it, I hadn't necessarily, come to believe all of that but what had happened is i did the the preliminary research which i i vet i try my best to vet all of our topics pretty pretty well again to the point where is there anything that says this is a blatant hoax no matter what um and if so we discard it and anjakuni lake as soon as i started looking unfortunately i found a lot of people saying that like well obviously well you know, because of this and this and this. And the the one thing that it came back to time and time again was the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. They have a statement on their website about Anjakuni Lake, wherein they say that the entire basis of this came from a a book. I can't remember if it was the 50s or the 80s, but a book that is published that uses, that just comes up with this out of the air. That there is no factual basis, there's no historical basis for the Anjakuni Lake mystery, the disappearance of the the tribe there. Um, 
that it is all invented. And then I went back and I was able to find back in like, ah, crap, I think it's like 1910, 1920. I found the actual article that that was published that talks about the trapper going into the village and it being completely empty. And in that moment, I was like, it it blew my mind. And it was the the main reason that we went forward with it. And then we just explored from there. But it, it, it proved that at the very least, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, their website was lying in its own way. You know, not maliciously, but with them saying there's absolutely no basis for it before this book. And then to be able to find an article in a in a newspaper from 50, 60 years earlier, that was probably one of the biggest about faces I've ever done. The point that that is still one of my absolute favorite episodes of all time. But then you have like, you have the other side of it as well, where I started by saying, this is, there's definitely something weird going on here. And then doing an about face and saying, actually, no, it's not. It's, it's actually probably pretty normal. And for me, that is, uh, the Island of High Brazil, which is one of my, I don't know, least favorite episodes. And maybe it's because of that, wherein you hear these stories about this island that's been documented for thousands of years, uh, hundreds of eyewitnesses, this and that. And at the end of the day, as much as I hate to say it, it can pretty much all be explained by weird, for sure, but natural weird phenomena. Um, and that made me pretty sad, but that's fine. It's okay to be sad. I'm going to link to uh, your f- favorite episode or one of your favorite episodes, uh, the Anjikuni Lake one, mm-hmm. uh, in our show notes. And I remember that one specifically because you were really upset with the Mounties. I really was. I feel bad. Yes. And I, I said some mean things on Twitter. I don't think I said it to any Mounties. Uh, but I remember Scott Thrower uh, of the, the Fairy Tales for Unwanted Children podcast. He was telling me like how how his brother dated a Mountie and how I was right. You can't trust him for anything. And that made me feel really validated. Scott's a fellow Canadian. He's a he's a beautiful individual. I love that guy. That's another really good show, actually, with some nice... If you need a bite-sized podcast with mm-hmm. some creepy fairy tales, go listen to that. So, Sam, just very quickly before I forget, are you have you started the Change.org petition for Angie Cooney Disclosure? No, is that a thing? You, it could be a thing you, you start. <laughs> oh, I start it. You know what? Why the heck not? I, here's the problem, though, man. <laughs> here's the problem, man. You want to get into the problem? The problem is the Canadian government doesn't know anything about that just like the american government doesn't know anything about about aliens to be honest like we we sit here and we talk about disclosure as if it's like just beyond the veil right it's All, always imminent dude yeah always imminent. it's it's just about to happen and basically there's just this metaphysical very thin and cracking crumbling wall that's about to, to come down i truly believe that whether it's angie cooney lake whether it's roswell whether it's anything you can scour government archives and you're not going to find anything conclusive. And it's either because a, they don't know just as much as I don't know. You don't know. They don't know or B. And this is the part I believe less, but you still have to include it. B they've destroyed all the evidence. Of course. Those are both. uh, uh, 
<laughs> I don't want to say troubling, but like really sad outcomes because I do agree with either or. Like either they uh, and the thing is that like human error is a thing that exists, right? Mm-hmm. So inevitably there will be a slip up in terms of like trying to cover these things up, given the volume of paperwork that exists within a multitude of archives, right? So I want to believe that perhaps there may be some information <laughs> coming out, but at the same time, I don't see it happening because I don't actually think there's that much out there. Yeah. I was uh, listening to uh, this week's episode of the Paracast, and they had the head of MUFON on this week, and they were talking about how uh, about Tom DeLonge's little venture mm. into maybe uh, providing some disclosure or kind of pushing it forth, but that's not going to happen anytime soon, especially not with the uh, To The Stars Academy of Arts and Science. It's, I think they're more interested in other things at this point. And I, how many times have we brought up Tom DeLong in this, uh, in this podcast, uh, every, every week he comes up now, but I, he's, he's like the face for disclosure. I think he was on the Joe Rogan podcast too. And he came off sounding a bit nutty on that. I think he's the new Stephen Greer, really. Like he's, he's mm-hmm. figured out a lane in which he can make money by talking about disclosure, but never actually having to prove anything. I th- I want to say that he believes more than than just the capitalist you know side of it i think i think that tom DeLong does really believe in the ufo presence and believe in this and that but i do also think that he as anybody who who really spends enough time looking at it understands disclosure is not coming if i'm wrong if they have everything and it is just a a, a wall away it's never coming out anyway. Um, you know, you have had government, high-level uh, government officials, even one of your guys' defense ministers, right? Your guys' oh, as in all of Canada. Uh, that's who you represent yeah. right now. Yeah, um, all 30-something. <laughs> has, has come out and said, UFOs are real. I mean, a, a, there is something going on here, and yet the public has been poisoned by the hard work of of disinformation campaigns, all of that. Call me a kook, but you know the idea is that you don't believe in aliens because it makes you crazy. You can believe in UFOs, right? Almost half of America, if not more, believes in UFOs. But the moment that you make that next step to who's inside the UFOs, that's when you're crazy. And it's it's like no matter what, if they do have the information, it's not coming out. Rob Christopherson. Uh, he and I were talking once. I think he actually mentioned it when he was on your show as well. It's just too good of a thing going for these people uh, to let it get out one way or the other. I agree. Totally. It's sad. Quickly switching gears, and I know that this is more of an Angela question than a Brian <laughs> question. Uh, <laughs> um, we would be remiss not to bring up your day job. Mm-hmm. Angelo, the biggest fanboy I know wants to know is that everything uh, he's ever dreamed of um oh man i love you guys yeah so it's <laughs> like to be completely straight apple is and i am not i i have drink drinked i have drank no kool-aid i i promise you i am a sane as sane as i can be maybe you're not gonna believe that after the last hour but i'm a sane <laughs> no, rational <laughs> uh human being apple is one of the greatest companies in the world and working for them beyond right you get beyond the product you get beyond the software and the hardware you get beyond this that and the other it is an environment unlike anything else right 
I do not, I, I don't have a college degree and yet I am making a livable wage, which is hard to do in Idaho. Um, I feel valued. I feel respected. I feel trusted. I have a management team that has my back and whose back I have on a moment's notice. And like the culture that Apple creates is the reason to buy Apple beyond the hardware and the software. The fact that you can come in and you can meet somebody, you can sit down with somebody who is more than happy to answer every one of your questions, go over any problem you might have, send you on your way. And, and nine times out of 10, there's no charge included. You know, it's, it's worth it. And it is beyond a doubt, the best job I've ever had. You know, Angelo mentioned it. I'm just this, this kid, I'm, I'm 24. So I've been in the workforce for six years. I've had how many, like four real jobs. Um, the first three I stayed at for a year or less. Apple, I'm coming up on three years with them in January. It is an unreal uh, company to work for. I, I remember sitting there during the training and hearing them talk about like what it means to be Apple and how we interact with each other and all the cool stuff, which of course I'm not going to get into anything because I'll lose my job. But <laughs> I I remember saying like, yeah, sure, sure. And then yeah, that's just the normal retail pitch. You know, that's just the normal thing that they tell you when you're working retail. And I got like two weeks in and I'm like, holy crap, this is a utopia. <laughs> they they actually mean what they're saying uh, with how they're going to look out for you, how you're going to look out for each other and stuff like that. It's um, it is all it's cracked up to be for sure. You know, and then but on the other side, Angela, one time I heard you mention uh, that you were sitting at the Genius Bar to get your wife's success battery replaced under that quality program. And yeah. you you came to the conclusion that the majority of people could fix their own problems if they simply Googled it. And yep. that is definitely a real thing as well. But the nice thing is, like, you sit down, you're pleasant enough, it's going to be fine. It's only when I go in having a bad day to begin with that the day turns out bad. Because, I mean, people – and Idaho is also just a great place. People are nice. People are friendly. Um, nobody's in a super big hurry. I mean, some people are. But the majority of people aren't in a really big hurry. Uh, it, it is, man. It's all it's cracked up to be. Quit your job. Come work with me. I'll get you in. <laughs> I you promise. Go. Yes. Well, my, my 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 nephew does work at the uh, at the Apple Store near my office, and uh, I'll go there from time to time. And he he's told me all the stories. Now, did you? I don't know if you can answer this, but uh, he got his training for when he became a genius in California. Were you part of that program, or had they ended it already? So I myself am not even technically a genius. I am a technical specialist. Ah. So yeah, my my training. Yeah, I didn't have to do anything like that. I'm, okay. That's all I'm going to yeah, say because I don't know how much I've allowed. No, no, yeah, I don't yeah, want to no get worries. in trouble. Yeah, well, that's the last thing we, we want to keep here. you. Yeah, we want to keep you gainfully employed here, please but and thank it, you. It was fun when we were. I I think you told me about your your little Apple secret when uh, we were DMing each other on on Twitter, and he's like, "Actually, <laughs> that sounds so scandalous." It does sound scandalous, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> little do you know i'm actually at work at, uh, at apple uh -huh. during the day i'm like that that was like oh my god this guy is our target audience it be it it is like the worst secret anybody i would say probably everybody who listens to the show knows it i'm not ever going to announce it on the show uh i just don't feel like it's that relevant no but it's not it's like yeah at the end of the day it's 
pretty much everybody knows it at this point. I'm just paranoid. I just don't want like want them to be listening and reviewing and being like, oh, what did he say? All right, pull it, pull it. Take it off the iTunes yeah. or the Apple Podcast Store. <laughs> no, so we, I think it'll be fine. We don't want that happening either. But I think it's relevant to this podcast. I agree. I agree. Then I don't think it revealed anything too, too uh, secretive. You haven't talked about the iPhone 11, 12, or 13. Wow, so they'd I kill me if fine. I told you anything. Oh, boy. There's that poor engineer who uh, his daughter showed. I uh, know. Put, oh, man, that was so, so sad. But I like you kind of break the rules and you kind of get stuck. It's not fun. Yeah. Let me give a PSA really quick. Guys, anybody listening to this, the people in the Apple store don't know anything more than you do about like products. Okay. <laughs> like I re- do you remember when they came out with the, the red iPhone uh, seven and the new iPad, the fifth generation of iPad, right? Yeah. Just like six months ago or whatever. Um, I learned about that by waking up and checking Facebook before going to work. Like, (laughs) we don't know anything. So when you go in, I'm not saying you specifically, but this happens to me not infrequently. People come in and they're like, so tell me about the iPhone 11. And it's like, I don't know anything. And they're like, sure, buddy, wink, wink. No, I just don't harass people that way, please. Okay, I I get that. But what about the iPhone 9? I'm not at liberty to say. <laughs> yeah, like, look, he's not a uh, a British man with a shaved head with who says aluminium. aluminium. He's the man who knows what's coming out next. So that's true. Uh, yeah. Well, funny story. One of uh, one of the podcasters who I uh, whose shows I listen to, he was at the uh, London store picking up his iPhone 10 on launch day, and he mm-hmm. looks up and Johnny Ives right there. I I saw that photo, and in that photo. There is also like this freaking this sales dude who is just losing his mind. Do you, do you remember that? This guy who's just like, what? It's awesome. I have to post that picture. It's from uh, Mike Hurley's Twitter uh, timeline. I'll have to go back and find it. But it, he had talked about it today on on his podcast. He hosts with uh, CGP Gray, and they was they had a good laugh about that. It's it's amazing. Sam, we've touched your your uh, your one of your passions, your personal life, your professional life, and I would I myself would want to know uh, how much magic do you actually get to play with all this research, <sighs> dude. Dude, we like I told you, uh, me and Jason, we used to play t- probably twice a month, maybe three times a month, sometimes even once a week for like a beautiful little minute there. I have not played Magic since the 2017 Commander decks came out, which I want to say is about two months ago now, maybe even longer. And then before that, I hadn't played since Amonkhet was released in March. Or yeah, I think it was March. Um or maybe it was May, but I do not play Magic anymore. I have all of my stuff. Sometimes people come over, especially friends of mine who play will come over, and just incidentally, they'll have brought a deck. I have my decks. Like, it's good, but I also came to the realization I suck at Magic, and (laughs) I am really bad. Like, Jason is, he's like a Magic freaking, like, Da Vinci. He can do, he can do it. It's beautiful, the decks he makes are are the works of Ozymandias. They are they are fearsome to behold. Um but like my stuff sucks. I just I open up a booster pack. I'm like that looks cool. I open up another one. That looks cool. I don't buy cards. I don't buy singles. 
And uh, it's gotten to the point where, like, I have one or two good decks. I'm going to keep those for a while. People want to play Magic, cool, but I haven't played anything, like, really competitively in months. Like, months and months. With an attitude like that, you're not going to get on the Pro Tour. <laughs> oh, dude, you know I know. That, right? <laughs> I know. And that's yeah. okay. I don't want to cry in front of a lot of people. Because that's the other thing. <laughs> I am also the worst winner and the worst loser that I know. If I beat you in Magic, I'm just going to talk crap for, like, until you beat me, which is going to be inevitable. Uh, or, you know, you, the collective you. Uh, if I If I beat you, I am just a monster. And then if I lose... I'm the kind of guy who just sits there and just like bullcrap. I can't believe you did. I had all these plans. I am terrible. You don't play magic with me. Don't do it. Well, it's not a good idea. The good news is I haven't played magic since the ice age expansion. So Whoa. Uh, yeah, I think I'll be okay. Yeah. And, uh, and for me, I have no idea what you guys had just said with all the words <laughs> you used about magic and expansions. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, you don't have to worry about me at all. There we go. There we go. So you're not, you're not aiming to be on the pro tour then. I, all I know about magic is that when I was in, uh, we have something called CJEP here. So between, um, high school and university, there's like an extra two years of schooling. So you do high school mm. up to grade 11, then you do these two years and then you start university. And, uh, when I was in CJEP, we, um, like the magic was like a new thing. And there was this, like this guy who would come around selling magic cards for hundreds of dollars. Mm -hmm. And the rest of us who had no idea what it was would just be amazed at the fact that people were spending hundreds of dollars on what essentially looked like a card game to us. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Jason has spent, he has this deck. Uh, we refer to it as his super friends deck. And essentially it's, it's and Angelo, you're not going to understand anything that I say, and I'm sorry, but essentially it's, okay. it's all planeswalkers, right? So he has, I think the last we counted, he had maybe three instants or sorceries and three creatures and the rest were planeswalkers. And he spent probably $300 on this deck. And to be fair, like if you're into magic, if that's your, your jam, if you're digging it, it was worth that much money. I never even came close to putting a dent in it. Um, but you look and you look at things like an original Black Lotus, uh, from the first set of magic, it's gonna, it, it'll cost you $10,000 to get your hold oh on God. one of those. Yeah, it is insane. It's what we had all hoped was going to happen with those Pokemon cards that we held on to forever. I don't know if that's applicable either. That's what I did growing up thinking I was going to be rich and I wasn't. So here we are hockey now. cards that are worthless at this point. There we go. Uh, planeswalkers are they like skinwalkers uh no <laughs> no they're not at all thank you very much uh no <laughs> skinwalkers as well they scare me okay. i'll uh when i find it i'll tweet you a link to a story uh it was written by cml who's like a pretty well-known uh, magic the gathering player who has ended up on the pro tour and i i can't remember the exact title but it's something like magic the gathering the pro tour sucks and it's kind of like this very long form essay about why being on the pro tour is the worst interesting i'd really um, like to read that so i'm gonna dig that up tonight for you and we'll post in the show notes too because it's actually like i i care about magic but i don't care enough to want to like uh, actively pursue it because i feel like it'll be a time and money suck that i, I don't oh, feel yeah. like i'm gonna get invested in in like a healthy kind of way mm -hmm. the the money is one of the biggest things for me like i uh it, it, you know me and my wife at this point we don't have a lot of walking around money 
I usually would save a lot uh, and, and buy like two bundles, which is like seventy dollars. Uh, but that would take me the time between expansions coming out to to get. And uh, but the other cool thing about Magic though is that of course you do actually have the ability to pull cards that are worth quite a bit of money. When the uh, was it? It wasn't Amonkhet. It was the one before at Kaladesh. When that expansion came out, I spent seventy dollars on cards and I pulled a card that was worth a hundred and fifty. So like. If you play it right, you can, but the problem is it's essentially just gambling, right? There's there's no way of guaranteeing you're going to get your money back. And when I realized that for good, it was like, all right, I'm done with this. I have other things I'd really like to buy, uh, and I just suck at this game too bad, so. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely that element of speculation involved in there that kind of uh, existed on a larger scale with comic books in the 90s, and I feel like it's kind of approaching that point where people are buying boxes just to buy boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just hoping to get that one mythic that's really gonna, really gonna pay them back. But well, there was the whole when I was a kid uh, in the late '80s and early '90s. It was the whole hockey card, go baseball card. Yeah, back in my <laughs> day, Sonny. Uh, yeah, there was the whole hockey card boom, and uh, people were buying hockey cards left and right. And the thing that most people didn't realize at the time was buying all those. Everybody buying the same thing mm-hmm. rendered them completely worthless. Yep. So now I have all this cardboard with pictures of hockey players on them that's pretty much useless. How many 92 Mark Messes do you have? Oh my God. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that I remember, I, I can pretty much exactly remember what he looks like on the cover because he's not even, uh, it's not, it's a picture of him with like the Stanley Cup behind him. And now we're starting to say things that Sam doesn't understand probably. Yeah, I don't you know, understand hockey, anything like hockey. that. Hockey. I went to one hockey so, game. It was pretty neat. That was it, like eight <laughs> years ago. Yeah, uh, so like I'm not I'm not a sports guy, but uh, here in Montreal, hockey is like uh, very important. I dig that. That's like here in Boise, we have the the Boise State Broncos. It's a college football team, and it's like it doesn't matter who you are, you just don't talk crap on that. No matter, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. It's it's part of the identity of the the Treasure Valley, which is the area I live in you have to care about this one way or the other. Yeah, I try to, like, it's funny because I'll, I'll have people, it's like, oh, they're at my house. It's like, oh, let's turn on the hockey game. And it's like, I don't have any sports channels. <laughs> Sorry. We can watch Disney Junior if you want. There you go. Doc McStuffins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you know that. I have I have uh, little, well, they're my wife's little cousins, but they're like eight and... Oh, Every year for the last two years for Christmas, we're like, yo, what you want for Christmas? And they're like, Doc McStuffins. And it's like, there okay, we cool. Yeah. We, we have a Doc McStuffins operations table. There you go, man. And that's something I love about kids that you don't get from adults is like, they're very forthcoming with what they want. Or like, for example, like this holiday season, like, what do I get my parents? Mm-hmm. So I asked my mom and I asked my dad and it's just, it's, they no sell me so hard that I don't even know what to do anymore. Whereas with a kid, it's just like they have such a big list of things that they'd like. It's so easy to pick and choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it also gets very expensive. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but that's your fault for having a child who stares yeah, at the true. moon. Yeah, yeah <laughs> the stupid moon. Yeah, here, this is that the last thing I want is if I get him something, is like, this is what I see coming out oh, from the moon. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, no. 
I hope at that point you at least send me a courtesy text. Like, we can't record this week. I have to do a thing that involves saving my family. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny because ever since now we had that, we recorded that episode, which which, uh, Sammy will get to hear tomorrow. Everybody will have heard already. But uh, when I go get him to uh, use the washroom before bed, I'm worried I'm going to open the door and I'll see him like levitating towards the moon or something. That that would be really bad. That's Or doing a spider walk. And then, of course, I wouldn't have my phone with me, so I wouldn't be able to take a picture, and then it would be like, all pics or it didn't happen. Yeah, because I would mock you so hard. Even if you yeah. had your phone, it would malfunction. Of course not. Yeah, that's, that's what we've determined, actually. Classic movie trope right there. Mm-hmm. Classic real-life trope as well, <laughs> yeah, based <laughs> on much, who, yeah. You, who you believe. So wrapping things up, Sam, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, oh, man, we're all over the place. We are at that website that I talked about, buyingnotalonepodcast.com. Uh, we want to up our game on that, but right now it's pretty much just a repository for like, uh, episodes and show notes, stuff like that. Uh, but you can find our entire catalog there with built in streamable players within the posts or links to like Apple podcasts. Uh, then of course we're on Apple podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on, uh, overcast. We're on everything. I haven't found something we're not on. Uh, yet other than I think Spotify, I think we're still working on that. Um, no, you are on Spotify actually. What? That's crazy. Yeah, of, yeah. Cause my coworker turned to me today and when she asked me what I was up to today and she's like, Oh, these guys are on Spotify. Let me listen to the Mothman episodes. Really? Awesome. Okay. I guess we're on Spotify now. So that's pretty neat. Oh, look at that. Um, and we are also on Twitter where, uh, that's where I spend most of my time on the, the interwebs. So really, if you want to like get a hold of me at all, you go to Twitter. It's uh, Not Alone Pod at for Twitter, and then on Instagram, it's Not Alone Podcast. On Facebook, it's Not Alone Podcast. And then we have like a little discussion group. You can like come in and talk about ghosts and stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, you can email us at notalonepodcast at gmail dot com. And and my assumption is correct that it's not it's you and not Jason on the Not Alone uh, Pod Twitter thing. One hundred percent, Jason Moitoso. <laughs> Is an interesting man who enjoys showing up, recording, going home, and that being it. Uh, in addition to that mysterious research, I am trying every day, now that we have the group set up, a lot more he'll interact with people there. And by a lot more, I mean like once every other week. Um, he'll say something there. I'm trying to get him. I know the secret of what his Twitter handle is. He does not use it. And I don't even think if I blasted it out on air that he would use it to respond to people. <laughs> but I'm trying to get him to to react more. But yeah, right now, and hopefully, honestly, probably forever, if you tweet at us, it's going to be me. I, I am friends with him on Facebook, though. He did friend me. So Aww, nice. that's nice. He's a digital <laughs> friendship. There we yeah. go. On our end, you can always find us at DoubleDensity.net. On Twitter, over at Double underscore Density. Same thing with Facebook, Facebook.com slash DoubleDensityPodcast. And same thing with Instagram. That covers everything on our end, I think, Angela, right? Yeah, that covers everything. And, uh, of course, what, what? are we on Friendster? No, we closed that account. What the heck is Friendster? <laughs> Sam's Ooh. too young for Ooh. Friendster, man. Wow. <laughs> it's It was... Uh, it was like a a, a, def, a defunct like friendship thing. Um, it was kind of when like MySpace was big, and well, then no, this was like just pre MySpace by about a year. I think. oh, was it pre MySpace? <sighs> yeah, uh, for about a year. Yeah, I don't even remember so that... pre MySpace, man. 
Oh my god. I mean, I do, but not on an internet like level of stuff. MySpace is the first internet thing I remember. You never covered. You never had like a blog over LiveJournal. No, dude. My parents they they thought that blogs were evil. They wouldn't let me get a blog. <laughs> um, <laughs> they didn't know what a blog was, and neither did I. And uh, I couldn't even have a MySpace. I had to. I set it up in secret. And then I had a Wii, and of course the Wii has a, a web browser, which my parents didn't know. And so I used the Wii to get on MySpace in the middle of the night only. <laughs> so hacker yeah, alert. Dude, I was I, I knew my way around. So just for reference, I had a computer that used cassette tapes. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful, <laughs> so, man. I yeah. love it. So with a dot matrix. The man printer. in his dust filled old man house. <laughs> typing away <laughs> yeah well i have a pretty state-of-the-art setup now i have a, i have a brand new well no it's a two-year-old imac i have a brand new ipad a brand new iphone new apple watch there you I'm go. All set we are Hip with the kids we are looking at at hopefully by the end of this month or the beginning of next we're going to look at getting a, a 15 inch macbook pro for the show so it's like i'm we're using the ipad pro for now but we're going to be doing that soon, even though I know that Angelo thinks that there are no Apple laptops worth the money right now, which oh, is well, fine. There's yeah. Well, there's there's evidence to that. I there there. Well, I was. Have you had that issues? Have you had issues with the keyboards and stuff? Uh, well, I've seen a few, not nearly as much, yeah. but like I, I heard you say that and a part of me initially went defensive. But then I was like, you know what? If there's one person that I'm going to say, you know what? Okay, I I trust you. It's going to be Angelo. Thank you. So thank you. Yeah. But yeah, I, <laughs> if I yeah, I've had to recommend one. It would probably be like the the 13 inch without the Touch Bar. But mm-hmm. uh, the, they're they're still they're still MacBook Pros. They're, oh You're yeah. still going to be happy with them. Yeah. You're gonna. So there's 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 nothing wrong. It's just that. Uh, there seems to have been some quality issues, although I think the problem is, is that it's like the squeaky wheels are mm. the ones talking about it all. Right. So I think like, the, like Gen Pop isn't really talking about this stuff. They're just happily <laughs> using their computers. Yeah. Equating Apple users to uh, prison inmates. Great. And we're really helping the brand today. There you go. Yeah. And well, and I it's, just don't want to get Sam in trouble. It's hard. Cause it's like, you know, working at the bar, all I see are the problems. And so every day, like if you ask me, I'm not going to say any of them, but I could tell you a lot of different issues with a lot of different things that like personally I would have a problem with, or I would think is like, is a a cause for alarm. But like, it's only because I spend eight hours a day looking at problems. The majority of users never have those problems or anything close to it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, the last the uh, last week's episode, we talked about uh, our little issues with technology that, like, we kind of worry about new tech. And, like, mm-hmm. just as an example, I had my iPhone 8 in my pocket, my winter coat, mm-hmm. and there was a piece of sand in there. So now I have a nice oh, scratch no. on my, like, brand new iPhone 8 Plus. No. And it's, one, it's a scratch that's so deep that when you, when the screen's on, you actually see it. Ah, oh, dude. So it's, yeah. It's like, damn. That but, sucks. Not the end of the world, I guess. Like I said earlier, it's it's just uh, it's little things that are annoying. But oh yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah, just I feel like there's only one solution to your problem, Angela, and that's buying a burner phone. Yeah, <laughs> like like Stringer Bell. You have like yeah, just... you have like your show phone where you like pull out not show like podcast like show for show phone where you like pull out oh look at my iPhone eight and then you all do all of your actual work off a of flip phone. Yeah, like a, uh, a razor. I think that's a good idea. 
a half a megapixel like camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I'll. How will I be able to shoot pictures of Mothman slash barn owls? You're really. Oh, dude, it's like the best thing to do with that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, I guess it's true. You're really Those not getting this pictures. whole whole electricity drain thing, are you? Yeah, <laughs> uh, jeez. Oh yeah, I forgot. Still won't work. <laughs> well, I'm going to end things here before this degenerates into us. Oh, man. <laughs> I kind of forgot we were still recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, wait, wait. Before you end it, thanks for having me. This was so much fun. Thanks for being on. This is definitely going to be our longest episode to date. Oh, uh, my God. Which is a yeah. great thing. <laughs> I uh, I couldn't be happier. I was really happy. Like, when we had Rob on, he suggested asking you to come on as well. And uh, we're really happy to have you as our second guest for our uh momentous 30th episode there we go dude thanks again it's my pleasure and everybody please if you don't listen to it already go check out not alone if you like (laughs) this show you'll like that one perfect so this has been episode 30 of the double density podcast and tune in next week as we actually conduct a seance inside of montreal city hall angelo sam it's been a pleasure see you brian hey you too man tripped over everything no <laughs> that sucks well this is the most dad stuff ah oh, dude i like that i like that a lot i tripped over everything